TalkZone.com. Now, TalkZone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. Yeah, we do welcome you to the two guys at a mic show. Beautiful, beautiful Thursday here. Our fine uh, talkzone.com emanating out of the city of Chicago. And we appreciate your joining us in whatever city you might be listening from. It is the big dog and the coach at your service right up until 11 o'clock Central Time. If you're not in Central Time, we highly advise you to uh, find a location, move to a place, and uh, live in Central Time. Because, Joe, I don't know about you. But I always think living in Central Time, from a real estate value, significantly more valuable than Eastern Time or Pacific Time. Your thoughts? Uh, I have to agree with you, Coach. There's nothing like the Central Coast. you got to love the Central Coast. I have no idea what that meant, but that was as good as I could get for the open of the show. Our producer today, a guy who has uh, lived on Central Time 92.8% of his life, and the 7.2% he wasn't on Central Time. It was a bad time in his life, so we won't talk about that. David Olson, our producer today, big dog and the coach. Lots to talk about, dog. Stanley Cup Game 3. And today the Cup uh, moves, or I should say tonight, to Philadelphia. And the Philadelphia Flyer fans, well, they're, they're taking a beating here in Chicago. The, the, the Chicagoans do not like Philadelphia very much, do they? I, yeah, I could really care less to be put. I'm indifferent. I could care less about Philadelphia. I mean, if it's, if there's a city that I'm going to actually enjoy, you know, beating up on, it's going to be New York or Detroit. Philadelphia, mm-hmm. I could care less. So uh-huh. I, I have no idea why there's so many people ripping the city of brotherly love. I, and I haven't been there. I don't think I've been to the city of Philadelphia. And let me ask you, though, you're a man of a tremendous uh, uh, instinct and experience. You've probably been there. How much of the Philadelphia fandom... How much of that is reputation, and how much is reality as far as oh, their obnoxious it, level? It's got to be reality, Coach, because uh, it, it's not like it, it's not like it happens once or twice that they do something totally classless. It's every year. There's four to ten to twenty stories about how they just did something absolutely moronic. Whether it's uh, throw snowballs at a guy dressed up as Santa Claus, or, or they. <laughs> Or they cheer when Michael Irvin, when they thought he broke his neck that one year. Yeah, I mean, that's... or running on the field consistently. Mm-hmm. I mean, Philadelphia has had a reputation of being a bunch of idiots. Running you know? on the field, I can live with booing at Santa Claus. I find some tremendous humor in that. Uh, maybe the kids don't, but I happen to. But uh, And I hadn't heard this one, but cheering when a guy is seriously injured from the opposing you don't team. That's... That? Huh? You don't remember that? Oh, I do not. Philadelphia fans, they, they can just go to you-know-where. Okay. Honestly, you know what they got? They've got like uh, they've got the complexes. They're like an hour and fifteen minutes outside of New York. Uh-huh. So I think they just have the complex that they're not as good as New York. So it's... they they try to like be ten times worse than New York. Now, they about booed the Phil- Donovan McNabb, local Chicago <laughs> icon. Yeah. They booed Donovan McNabb when they drafted him in, uh, in nineteen ninety nine. Now now look at him. Those yeah. guys aren't exactly the most educated fans in the world, now even that, though they try to act like they are. That I do remember. It had nothing to do, by the way, with the fact he was from Chicago at the time. They booed him oh, because I do they, realize that, yeah. they wanted. Who did they want back then? There was a particular. They wanted Ricky Williams. Yeah. 
Well, and, and Ricky Williams says, I don't care what anybody says. I know he took a couple mm-hmm. years off because his body was destroyed after yeah. Dave Wants had gave him the ball nine million times in a couple years. So, so just but, to defend the Philadelphia fans, and I am here in defense of Philadelphia. You're listening to the show, by the way, from the fine city of Philadelphia, and you want to uh, step to the floor and speak for the defense, you could do so at 888-463-6748. David Olson, any caller from Philadelphia today, please put them to the head of the line. Thank you very much. Yeah, uh, I'll do that. And I'll also float out there that Philadelphia is a hole. And it really <laughs> is. It re- and you know what? I, I, I've, Don't mince words. Say I, what no, you really I'm feel. not. I just, I, I've been to Philadelphia and I just think it's a dirty, awful, awful place. Wow. So, so there you go. There you have it. And, and you know what, Dave, I, I've, I've been to a lot of cities in the United States. I haven't been to Philadelphia yet, and yet I really could care less that I haven't been there. I mean, seriously, I mean, I, I wouldn't mind going to the ballpark one day if the Cubs were playing there and maybe go see it, some of those, the beautiful historical stuff. Uh-huh. But from what I understand, like, if you take a wrong turn there, you gotta, you, you're, you're gonna get cut. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it's bad news. Plus, all the streets in the downtown area are all one way. All of them. I hate that. Oh. I hate that. They copied oh. that from Boston. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it was brutal. Yeah. Now, granted, well, I haven't been there in like ten years. Maybe they clean the place up a little mm-hmm. bit, but I doubt it. So, big dog, you're you're a man of great patriotic and historic nature. At the very least, you should go to Philadelphia and and see where our freedom actually rings. Yeah, well, yeah, it was actually the the capital of the United States at one point. Really, was not aware of that. Was that where they had the Continental Congress, David? That is correct. Okay. So, I mean, it's, it was the I'll capital of the United States. So, I mean, I would I would love to see that. But from what I understand, that's a very small section of Philadelphia. And after that, you can pretty much say, all right. Yeah, you know, you're right. Really, it is. It's, it's like a couple of blocks, and that's so, it. I mean, go, go to your Cub game there. Go to that particular section. Have yourself a Philly cheesesteak and say, sayonara. Right. <laughs> I'm trying to find something positive about Philadelphia. Philly fans, help me on here. Triple eight. Four six three sixty seven forty eight. How about this angle? How about the Philadelphia Flyer fans? Great hockey fans. Might they be a little bit different from the typical fan? Can you give me any positive? No, absolutely not. I tried. Gave it a shot. Philadelphia Flyers fans are built on the seventy four and seventy five Stanley Cup champions, known as the Broad Street Bullies, who set records for fighting and being absolutely obnoxious and and bringing brutality to the sport of hockey. They set hockey back twenty years. Mm -hmm. So no. Uh, basically, that has set like uh, an example for the rest of Philadelphia fans to act like a bunch of goons. So no, Philadelphia Flyer fans, they can go, they can right. go have it themselves. I tried, I tried. Thought I'd spend the first four minutes and twelve seconds of the show, you know, being a little user friendly, reaching out to my Philadelphia brethren. But based on what I'm hearing from David Olson and from my uh, partner, the co. My uh, co-host, the big dog, uh, to heck with it. Apparently, Philadelphia just plain old sucks. You know, the only athlete, I mean, I, I like Chase Utley. I like Ryan Howard. Those are good guys, and they're yeah. all, all of a sudden becoming pretty jaded. You know, Donovan McDad's from Chicago. Uh-huh. The only athlete ever from Philadelphia with any class was Rocky Balboa, and that guy was fictitious. <laughs> oh, the old backhanded compliment if I ever heard one. Oh, there's got to be a few quality athletes from Philadelphia, but, uh, man. Just rip it on the poor city. Well, well they kind of just, you know, they, they deserve a coach. If you're going to, if you're going to act like a bunch of idiots, if you're going to mm-hmm. start like, like you could, we could not wear Bears jerseys and go to an Eagle game in Lincoln Financial Field. What, we couldn't. What would happen the, the if we did? Are, they, the, the stories are legendary. They're like Oakland Raiders fans. Mm-hmm. The two worst sets of fans in all of football. It, 
In the AFC, you got Oakland, and in the NFC, you got Philadelphia. Like you would, we'd be pelted. We would like we would get a cousin. But eventually, I would stick up for myself, which means I would get into mm-hmm. a fight. It's, I mean, it's notorious for that. They have they average like a hundred arrests a football game. Mm-hmm. That's no joke. They legitimately have a. They don't even have a holding cell there. They used to have a holding cell in Veterans uh, <laughs> Stadium, which was was with what uh, Citizens Bank and Lincoln Financial uh-huh. uh, Field replaced. Yeah. They now have a court. Yes, I heard about that. Of, Eagle, Eagles Court. Yes, they are with a legitimate judge, and you could be tried and convicted <laughs> and put in jail if Dur- you go to a football game. During the game. So they'll take, like, as I was reading about this, during the actual disputes that happened during the game, and they want to settle it on the spot, so there's a little area they've got set aside with, like you said, a legitimate judge, Eagles Court, and they decide during the game, right, if you should be kicked out, prosecuted, or let back into your seat. Hey, hey Vinny, you went to the Eagles game, man. Did you get some nachos? Did you get that uh, Lincoln Financial uh, cheesesteak? No, I got three to five years. <laughs> I mean, I mean, seriously, I mean, it's, it's, it's a joke. Oh, goodness. This portion of the TalkZone.com show is Brought to you by the Bureau of Tourism in the city of Philadelphia. Come visit us. Come for a short stay, and you might stay for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> All right, 888-463-6748. By the way, on a side note, the Philadelphia baseball team, which uh, about three weeks ago was the leading candidate to meet uh, somebody from the American League in the World Series, and we talked about it on the show, Big Doug, as we continue to cut down Philadelphia here. They had the best starting lineup, top to bottom, hitting in all of baseball. Yeah. They, have, they have gone in a collective slump. I think they got shut out three games in a row. What has happened to the powerful Philadelphia Philly lineup? They they got shut out three in a row, five out of eight. And in a 10-game wow. span during that time, they never scored more than three runs. It's, it's un- I've never seen anything like this. Two, we, we've seen something like it with a really weak team, but we've. I cannot remember a hitting lineup as strong as they've gotten. I don't think it's injuries. It's they're pretty much healthy. No, they're healthy. Well, Jimmy Rollins is out, but other than yeah. that, the rest of the. I mean, Jimmy Rollins is a spark plug, very good player. I've never seen anything like this. Coach. Yeah, that's it's, it's what's called a team effort in the worst way. Yeah, the the 1992 Cubs were shut out five out of eight games, but that was one of the worst hitting teams of I've ever can remember the Cubs mm-hmm. having. It was basically Mark Grace, Ryan Sandberg, and nobody. So maybe uh, you you could put the uh, last month of the season of the 1969 Chicago Cubs, which was loaded with good hitters, and they kind of collectively went into a slump as well. Well, they spent too. They most of them had really sore elbows from patting themselves on the back all season long. <laughs> Oh, goodness. Speaking of the Cubby, they lose yesterday, Big Dog, the team you are so passionate about. Three to two to Pittsburgh. And Uncle Lupin, yeah, it's been a rough year for him, and it got a little rougher yesterday. He cannot buy a break. Tough call. It goes out to the pitcher's mound in the eighth inning. You can argue back and forth either way. You can flip a coin on what he should do. He makes the decision to leave Ted Lilly in. Sure enough, the next batter coming up. Neil Walker hits a home run, a two-run homer to win the game. And to add salt to the proverbial cub wound, big dog, the guy's first career home run. Uncle Lou cannot buy a break. Uh, it's, I, first of all, <laughs> I was I was disgusted by it. I, the last time Uncle Lou let a pitcher talk him into staying in the game, it was Ryan Dempster on Mother's Day, and oh, the the ball that Joey Votto hit might land on Father's oh, Day. Come by on, the way. <laughs> come on, it was Mother's Day, big dog. You got to warm up to it a little bit. Oh yeah, whatever. And then, uh, and then yesterday he let Ted Lilly. Of course, you ask any major league pitcher with any stones in the world if his arms is is still attached. You know what's going to happen? He's going to say, "I will go give me the ball." 
give me the ball, Skip, I can get him out. Of course he's going to say he's going to get him out. Mm-hmm. That's what every single major league pitcher says. That's why they made it to the major league. And they had available. the manager and take it. Marshall has pitched phenomenal this year, even though he gave up a bunch of cheap hits and gave up a run the day before. Mm-hmm. Marshall and and uh, and uh, and Marmol have been getting it done. Take care of your rotation. That well, you and you, you also had the Triple A kid who was fairly well rested. He came in the day before and threw one pitch. Right? What's his name? Yeah. Andrew Marsden? Uh, uh Andrew Cashman. Yeah, close enough. Yeah, yeah, don't, so don't, they... don't say Bartman. No, I said Marsden. Somehow I was thinking it was Marsden. I did not say Bartman. You have to learn. Oh, to don't, don't even don't even try to uh, allude to Samarja. <laughs> if you combine Samarja and Bartman and Marsden, you might have. Uh, I don't know what you have, but hopefully it'd be somebody you could get an out. Unlike what they were able to do. How about the fact that it was the guy's first? I think part of Lou's thinking was that he'll let Lilly pitch to the one more batter to get this guy out. The guy has never hit a home run in his major league career. And then, Lilly had owned the ball game, Coach. Lilly yeah. did own the guy so, all game. So, you know, from that, from that sense, maybe not such a bad call. And then the next batter, you bring Marmol in to face to, who was it, my good friend Lastings Millage? Well, uh, that, it would have been the ninth inning if that would have happened. Okay. Because it was, it, was, it was two outs in the seventh inning when okay. that happened. Yeah, I'm not mad at Lilly. Let, let, let's get this straight. I'm not mad at Lilly. Pitched, he, fact, pitched a good game. Pitched, yeah, he... He pitched seven and two-thirds inning and yep. only gave up three runs, yep. okay? And it, what, when is this team ever going to learn how to get runners on base and get them in? Mm-hmm. It, it's so frustrating. And then the, the bad thing is when you look at the south side of the town, it seems like lately when they do uh, you know, get a couple clutch hits, all of a sudden their pitchers can't get anybody out either. It's, it's an epidemic in the city right now. I don't right mean... now it's just simple fact the Cubs can't hit in the clutch. Period. They cannot hit at all on the clutch. That's their biggest problem right now. No question. It's been right from day one. Uh, you know, I don't mean to make light of the uh, Tomb of the Unknown Soldier coming off a of Memorial Weekend and stuff, but here in Chicago, we probably should start a memorial like the Tomb of the Unknown Stranded Runner, who gets stranded on base with less than two outs. Yeah, you can you can make a bet like who's going to be the guy that's on base the most that doesn't get driven in during yeah, a game. That's that's kind of a sad stat to talk about, but that seems to be the way things are going. That was that's the White Sox problems in half their losses. The other half of the losses for the White Sox is mm-hmm. the fact that they, they can't get anybody out. I, right now, this is a really confounding year as a Chicago baseball fan. Yep. And if things don't get righted soon, there's going to be a sell-off quickly. And I, I wouldn't mind it, Coach. The Cubs have never done it. I want it. I don't. First of all, I want the Cubs to get back in the race somehow because you never know what could happen. Mm-hmm. But if it's July like twentieth or so, and they're still playing like this. Because for the first time in my life, they actually trade away so-called talent and maybe try to find well, some young kid that we can watch for like five to ten years that could be decent. It might not be that easy because uh, not to play rocket science here or anything, but in order for there to be a sell-off, there has to be a buy-off, and I don't know who's going to buy off some of the Cub players and or the White Sox players that they want to sell. So it might not be that easy. Well, for the, for the White Sox, Coach, they could – they could get rid of A.J. Przinsky, even though he hasn't hit all that well this year. Because you got to figure, he is a lot better hitter than a 210, whatever he's hitting around 210. And the guy can flat-out handle a pitching staff. He can't throw anybody out on the bases, but he can yeah, catch the yeah, ball yeah. and he can handle a pitching okay. staff. Okay, he's an average. So an average defensive catcher who's not hitting this year, who's 34 years old, uh, I don't know what tremendous prospects you're going to get in return for A.J. Persinski. Well, okay, maybe not great prospects, but maybe you can get a like a decent arm that could be a, a bullpen guy for you or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the and other than that, on the White Sox, I I don't know. Maybe they can. 
is does Burley have a no trade clause? I mean, maybe that's the guy because believe it or not, he's going to yeah, he's coming up on his five ten. You know, Burley might be going, coach. He makes fourteen million dollars a year, mm-hmm. and and. You know, Kenny Williams would be more than willing to trade Mark Burley. St. Louis Cardinals, the Chicago Cubs might be facing Mark Burley sooner than you know it. I think that's a very – now, he's still a very sellable commodity. So, to me, A.J. Persinski, eh. But, uh, yeah, Mark Burley, you could get something for a contending team picking up Burley, not as a number one big dog, but as a number three or a number four, the kind of guy that could get you over the top. Uh, You could get some damage in return for Burley. What about uh, Paul Konerko? He, uh, there's been there's been talk at the Angels lining him out. The Angels first baseman's done for the season. I think yeah, Kendry Morales in, in that well documented. Uh, you know, I'm still trying to get that play on YouTube, MLB.com. I have not been able to see that particular. Uh, Artie not... Moreno has confiscated all the tape. <laughs> and my computer at home, I was able to get it on MLB.com, but I couldn't get the video to play. And if you're not familiar with what we're talking about, Kendry Morales over the Memorial Day weekend hits a grand slam homer to win the game for the Anaheim Angels. Huge celebration of home plate. He takes the leap on the home plate. His teammates surround him and pile on him. Unfortunately, somewhere in the leap and the land by his teammates, mm-hmm. he fractured his leg out. We don't know if it's for the whole season, but out for an extended period of time. That's our guy, Kendry Morales. If you watch really closely when you do get to see it, it isn't all that dramatic at tape, Coach, but if you watch, there's a guy coming from the first base side right as he jumps, uh-huh. kind of hits him in his chest and throws him off balance and makes him lean backwards, was, and that's why he landed funny. Was that guy wearing a Texas Ranger jersey by any chance? I don't believe so. <laughs> uh, the Mariners, all the Mariners were accounted for, so I guess the, the last question would be an Oakland A. Ichiro, but, um, get off me, Ichiro, you knucklehead. I mean, oh, Ichiro would go in head first. I mean, he's Japanese. He, he mm-hmm. has no regard for his body. So I, I don't I still, think he would um, throw either. I still like when, uh, I think it was Prince Fielder, when he hit the home run last year. Remember, he rounded the base, and then he slowed down. The game walk-off home run. Slowed down right before home plate. Remember this? Uh-huh. And all the Detroit Tiger teammates, uh, or all his teammates. Right, Tigers? Was he on the so Tigers? Not only did, so I, I've called him Cecil before, and he made fun of me. But at, <laughs> at least I usually get his team right there. He's a Milwaukee Brewer. Okay, not I'm sorry. Hey, you know, these guys switch. What do you think I am, a sports talk hoster? I'm a busy man. Got things to do. But anyhow, so <laughs> it, right as he touches home plate, they all fall down collectively, right? Like bowling pins. Yeah. That was cool. Yeah, yeah it was funny because uh, a lot of people like that, and a lot of people around baseball were like, you know what, if uh, they, he did that against us, he'd be wearing a baseball in his mm-hmm. ear the next time he played well, against us. Well, you them. know, it's sort of like the football version of the touchdown celebration. Maybe walk off home runs. You know, I always think the referees are a little bit too tight on that. As long as you're, as long as you're not in your face making fun of the other team, I'm all for a little uh, celebratory dramatics, if you will. I'm just surprised nobody landed on each other. I'd be afraid somebody would land like on my foot or something. Oh, yeah, like that. No, that was that was well choreographed. I think they practiced that. That that was nicely done. At any rate, how did we get into Kendrick Morales? I forgot. Oh, we were trading Paul Canerco. I would say this about Canerco. I think he would have value if he goes on another hot streak. Because well, he was you know, he was hot early, but he's kind of cooled off a little bit, right? Yeah, and you you know exactly what I what I said then because he always has like. However hot he his, his season is always the same. He always hits 270 with 34 homers and drives in 110. Well, the sad thing is, coach, if, if that's exactly what his number is going to be at the end of the year, which means he's about to get really, really cold pretty mm-hmm. soon. So yeah, and and if you know that, then I guarantee you some of the other general managers in baseball know that. So he might not be as hot a commodity 
maybe for an American League team in contention at the DH spot. But the bottom line is, if you're going to have a big sell-off, you got to have people that are going to buy also. And I'm not sure. Um, like a guy like Aramis Ramirez of the Cubs now, assume it. And, I, and I'm all with you. I'm not ready to pack in the season. I think there's still a potential upside. But at some point, if they decide not to, Aramis Ramirez, would I would think, would have pretty uh, significant value on the free market. Well, you would you would think, but you have to admit, he has to get his kibasa out of his culo pretty soon. Yep. Okay, because, uh, I mean, I, I cannot understand how how this guy has played so absolutely abysmal for so long. If you would have told me, oh, yeah, he's going to hit 160 to start the year, and then, you know, before he got it turned around. I'm going to go, well, how well was it, around April 20th? You know, and if you mm-hmm. told me it would have been June 1st, and he was still hitting in the 160s, coach? I mean, it's... Well... It's unfathomable. It so is un, unfathomable, good or bad, by the way. It's uh, it, I, it's uncomprehensible. Ah, thank you very much. Uh, but looking at it in the big picture, you know that's what I'm here for, Big Doug. I'm a big picture guy. I'm a man with a great perspective, <laughs> if nothing else. Uh, looking at it in the big picture, here's a guy who was hit and hit consistently for, I'm not looking at the baseball card right now, for 9, 10 11 years, major league years. season. Yeah, it's 10 years. He, he right. came up and he came up in 01. Okay. And the, well, he came up in earlier than that, but he's been a full-time player since he's, 01 and the Cubs he, traded for him in 03. Pretty consistent, uh, not good hitter, but very good hitter. I'm not going to say the best, but very good hitter consistently for a number of years. Uh you know, 2 months, big picture, 2 month hitting slump and I will add to it to his credit. And you can uh, differentiate if you would like, but I don't think as a professional, uh, that has affected his fielding. He's still playing pretty good defense at third base, not letting his hitting woes affect his fielding. So if you look at all that, you know, the guy's still, I think, a pretty valuable commodity. Yeah, and I will say this. Robinson Ramirez has become a better third baseman every single year he's been yes. in baseball because he, he was bad at first, and now he's he's a very, very capable third baseman. The yeah. only thing that has affected him is his statement. He said some of the – most moronic things during the middle of this slump. Like, first it was I'm my own hitting coach. You know, there's been a lot of just like dumb, dumb comments. And mm-hmm. you know, when he does get a straightened out coach, he's he's gonna go off. And then see, the thing is, is, he's a legitimate RBI guy. And and by that I mean like, when there's runners on base and there's two outs, he makes sure that he makes contact and and, and figures out a way to to get the runners in. Now it seems like he is so lost. He has no game plan, and he's just flailing about. You know, he's like a swashbuckler up there, just swinging all over the place, and I have no chance of hitting anything. A little baseball talk with the big dog and the coach. You want to join in? We'll get to some Stanley Cup hockey after break number one. Speaking of breaks, when we come back from this breaks, we're going to talk about a uh, very disturbing breakup. This one affected me. I had trouble going to sleep last night. We'll talk about Uh-oh. that. A depressing breakup. Triple eight four six three six seven four eight. the phone number, and... Speaking of context, Big Dog, uh, your social life, any recent context we need to know about? Uh, Coach, I really don't know how I'm pulling this one off. Uh Uh-oh. Okay, so. (laughs) All right, to be be continued? Yes, okay. All right, because I know you had a two, you you kind of were in an Aramis Ramirez-type slump, but apparently you have fought your way out of this. That was a self-chosen slump, and i got to tell you something. From now on, from now on, Coach, what I'm going to do is whenever – I get into a slump like that. I'm gonna just go into the self-chosen slump, and the next thing you know, when you when you try to keep them at bay, all of a sudden, next thing you know, the the dike breaks. <laughs>
Let that be. <laughs> Let that be a lesson to all the young kids out there. We'll explain it por favor when we come no, back. No, I don't think I can. Okay, we won't. We'll go on to other topics. Triple eight four six three sixty seven forty eight. It's Family Sports Talk Radio here. Talkzone.com. Two guys, one mic. are open for your calls on two guys and a mic call 888 go for it once again here's the coach john cone and the big dog joel radwanski on talkzone.com here we are back at the talkzone.com during the break big dog you got an email from uh, listener lip service and it's an email that i will forward to you i can't read over the air but let's just say lip service is an extremely an unbelievably big fan of yours well, that's good to know. Hopefully he'll keep uh, the 100 yards of service that he's distance he's supposed to. you have any other uh, words you'd like to say to lip service over the air? Well, you know, my nickname growing up was Lip. That's what all, everybody <laughs> in the neighborhood used to call me. So it's, it's kind of a coincidence, isn't it? You could be a match made in heaven. Again, we're trying to uh, work on your social life while the show goes on. I don't know if lip service is male and or female. I'm not sure, but I do know lip service. Interested. <laughs> All right, speaking of uh, breakups here, and I do want to get to Stanley Cup hockey. Hawks win, Hawks win, taking on the flyer. Game three today at Philadelphia. We've already uh, lost all of our Philadelphia listenership, by the way, based on the first five minutes of our show. I'm going to blame you for that. Well, that's why I'm wearing a helmet and a Kevlar jacket right now. You probably should. If you hear a knock on the door, you might want to uh, find shelter. Oh, I know. I Trust me, I, I always check to make sure there isn't somebody trying to serve me papers before I <laughs> knock on the leg. You're used to that knock, huh? Oh, yeah, big time. Big it's, time. It's almost like habit. Um, very depressing. Very depressing uh, breakup. Splitsville, I think you know the couple I'm talking about. Al and Tipper Gore, I am shocked, I am dismayed, and I am somewhat redundant. Are, are you serious? They, they broke up? Yeah. I guarantee she left him. They say it was mutual. Mutual, huh? They say 40 years. 40 years of marriage. Tipper, who could forget? I always thought global warming started when they had that kiss at the, what was it, the 2000 convention? That was the beginning of global warming right there. Al and Tipper, the great marriage. The beautiful couple. The loving couple of politics. They're getting divorced after 40 years. Big dog, I'm down and depressed and had trouble sleeping last night. Well, I feel really, really bad for you, considering all the... The different, I mean, 40 years, that's a good 40 years. I got a bunch of kids. They're not going to push out any more puppies. I think it's time she eventually can go to somebody that won't. <laughs> I mean, but she must have got some really good sleep over those 40 years. Could you imagine? I would, I, 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 yeah. No, I can't imagine, actually. Apparently, and let this be a lesson to all the uh, older folks out there, apparently they each had kind of gone their own way, doing their own, you know, speaking tours and writing books and stuff, and apparently they were never together that much, and you grow apart. In your careers, there supposedly was no major affair on either end. They just had 
grown separate. But time apart can do that. Big dog, a lesson for all of us to learn. You know, if they really want to stay in the spotlight, they should, you know, they should at least make something up. You know, like uh, like Al had a had one in every port, and mm-hmm. you know Tipper had her own personal personal trainer. If you know no. what I'm talking about. No, nope, I don't think that's the case, and I do know what you're talking about. Well, they should just make it up so they can keep grab the no, headlines. Think, it's not uh, like they won't uh, could be reelected or anything like. Well, or when I said that, well, now you, you misinterpreted. When I said they were doing their own thing, I didn't mean to say that they were headline grabbing. I think Al Gore's done some great work uh, sometimes in the limelight, and very often, particularly in recent years out of the limelight. So I don't think it's attention grabbing. And in fact, their separation was announced, I think, via email in a very brief, understated statement. So it's, you uh, know, I actually, you know, I actually do think uh, climate change is happening and, and we need to do stuff about it. And I, and I was dragged to that and inconvenient truth. I was disgusted by the, that particular movie. It was totally the wrong angle to grab people's attention. I, I, you know, it's so like to me, Al Gore has always been just some sort of a disappointment. Mm-hmm. And then the fact that he was a hypocrite and all the, like, just, he had so many different things going on in his own personal life where he was involved with companies that were some of the biggest polluters in America. The fact that he had a, a dump spot on his own, one of his own uh, properties in Tennessee, it, it, probably, it just goes to show why the people of Tennessee did not uh, even vote for him in the presidential election, uh, presidential election in 2000. Mm, I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. A lot of other people did. I mean, he won, uh, as we all know, the popular vote. He was very, very, very close, Big Dog, to becoming your president for uh, four years. But uh, I forgot the fact that his own state, Tennessee, went the uh, other way, huh? Yeah, they did go the other way. Coach. Interesting. Very, very interesting. All right. Well, Tipper is now available, Big Dog, in case you're interested. Uh, not exactly, Coach. Attractive lady. Um, a little bit older than you at age uh, 60 or 61, but might bring the cougar out on you. Tipper, uh, all-American look, very attractive, intelligent young lady, worldly, with a little bit of cashola. I would think uh, it would at least spark a little interest. Well, I, I really could care less about the cash hole. It's the silky hair, but I, I think I'd give her a heart attack. I've been doing a lot of deep knee bends lately, Coach. <laughs> I don't think she, she, she could keep up. I'm not going to go anywhere with that. All right, let us move. I'm very depressed. I was going to throw out David Olson, our media and uh, Hollywood critic. What are I was trying to think of some other uh, dramatic, if you will, breakups of marriages. Who are some of the colossal divorces? What about Jen and Brad? Yeah, I guess that would rank in there. But I'm, I can't hear you. And I'm trying to think of people that have been married for many years, too. Oh, many, many years. Well, well I'll settle for many. How about uh, Valerie Bertinelli and Eddie Van Halen? Yeah. David Olson uh, yeah, you're, trying to you're come out. Because you're old. I'm young. Who and just? Oh, how, about, uh, how about Barbara Hersey just broke up long time, long time with uh, Saeed from Lost? Yeah, but they were, never, they were never married. Yeah, they were just, you that's know, just a piece of paper. Common law. Yeah. I'm a big fan of common law, so that still counts. Hey, look at how many of those common law relationships worked out. What's that with the blonde-haired girl and Kurt Russell, Goldie Hawn? Yeah. I mean, seriously. They're, they're not married? You know, no, no, they're, no, they're, really. ne- they're never going to get married. They've there been together go. like 30 years All almost. Right. Yeah, Farrah Fawcett and uh, Tatum O'Neill. Ryan, Ryan O'Neill. Ryan O'Neill, that's right. Uh-huh. I mean, they did it right. Like I had a really, really good relationship until I got married with uh, to my girlfriend. Mm-hmm. I mean, once we got married, it was all over with. I was like, "Oh my god!" I mean, it was like, I mean, it was like, oh, whatever. Don't even want to get started with that. So maybe you know, maybe some people shouldn't be married. Maybe uh-huh. you know. 
All right, well, I'll throw that out to our listeners who uh, other long-time marriages that uh, somewhat in the public eye broke up. Could be sports, could be Hollywood, could be politics, and not a Jen and Brad, but I mean long-time, long-timers that kind of shocked everybody when they finally broke up. I know there's some out there. We'll throw it out to our listening audience, 888-463-6748. Big Dog, I know you are not concentrating on broken marriages, at least right now. You, my friend, are concentrating on game three tonight, the Hawk. Take on the flyer, looking to sip for the first time from Stanley's Cup since 1961. Your thoughts, game three tonight. Yeah, it's a, a big game for the – you talk about a must-win for the Philadelphia Flyers. It's got to be. I mean, actually, game two kind of felt that way for them. And uh, what's really cool is the Hawks right now are tied with uh, three or four other teams for the longest road winning streak in playoff NHL history. Mm-hmm. And if they can get this win tonight, you know they'll they'll break the record. And it's pretty cool. Is oh, it was it was four teams, three of the previous four teams won the Stanley Cup the year that they did it. And I would have to say if the if the Blackhawks win this game tonight, there's a pretty good chance that they're going to win the Stanley Cup because uh, even if they lose Game Four somehow, uh, if Philadelphia if they win tonight and Philadelphia figures out a way to win Game Four, I don't think they're going to be able to win three more like they did against Boston for some reason, Coach. So. Mm-hmm. It's a big game. This can this is a put the skate on the throat type game for the Chicago Blackhawks. It's kind of snuck up on you the streak, not only the road streak, but uh, you know because it has spanned over three different series. Is big deal, but our Chicago Blackhawks have won seven consecutive playoff games, and that's not to be taken lightly. Seven playoff victories in a row against obviously the top competition. That's a pretty impressive streak. Yeah, and they can make it four series if they do it tonight because it was the last Nashville game. Uh, it was three against uh, Vancouver and two against uh, the San Jose Sharks. So, well, I'm not talking about road games. I'm talking about they've won uh, seven consecutive playoff games. So I was oh, going, yeah, that's a good point. I yeah. was going yeah. beyond road games. They're winning streak in playoff games, seven in a row. That's, that, that's awfully good. When you start winning seven playoff games in a row, you're obviously winning series at that particular mm-hmm. point. So, and playing against tough, uh, tough competition, too. I think tonight's going to be a great game. Hockey fans, you want to check in? 888 The Hawks have been awesome on the road. They got the mojo going, and you know Philadelphia. And Philadelphia's played good. They've played good in the first two games. They've lost, but they've played good. So it's not like they're coming from the doldrums. And they're at home in a must game. They are going to bring their A game. Plus, I think tonight's game might be a classic hockey game. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you. And to be honest, I think the Blackhawks have to play better. If the Blackhawks don't play better, we're all of a sudden looking at an, uh, a hockey series all of a sudden if it's a mm-hmm. 2-1 game. You know what I mean? So, I mean, a 2-1 series. So I, I think the Hawks have to play better tonight so they don't make this a hockey series and give the Flyers some type of life. Yeah, one team may lay a, lay a complete egg tonight and prove me completely wrong. If so, I will deny it to the very end on tomorrow's show. Tune in at 10 o'clock. But I am going to predict tonight's game will be a classic. Uh, I don't we'll even know who's going to win. If I had to pick, I'd go Philadelphia. But I think tonight's game could be a classic Stanley Cup uh, final series hockey game. Well, I'm definitely picking the Blackhawks tonight. So Think so? Yes, I am picking the Blackhawks tonight. Not so sure. Not so sure. I, I, it, part of it. I would agree with you because the Blackhawks have, uh, it sounds weird to say, but they're in such a comfort level on the road. I think their confidence, uh, you know, at home, they're trying to be confident. On the road, the confidence comes naturally. Could I use that adjective to describe it? They don't play tight for some reason. Yeah. You know, they just go out and play hockey. For some reason, it's like when they're at home, maybe they mm-hmm. want to make everybody happy in the crowd and they, and they play a little bit different. But, yeah. Uh, 
they they do and uh, Barry Melrose has talked about it. Uh, the NHL Network when I watch them, they, you know, they talk about how if you watch the Blackhawks play on the road, they dominate people when they're at mm-hmm. home. You know, it's like they're barely getting by. So it's, it's pretty strange. They, they, it's like when they're at home, they have to pep talk themselves. They have to, uh, uh, you know, talk about playing hard and playing without pressure. When they're on the road, they don't have to talk about it. They just seem to go out and automatically do it. That's the difference. One is forced, one's natural, and it's a little bit weird, but on the road is where they're naturally effective, at least in the playoffs. Yeah, that's what it's been so far. And this was a team that was, I mean, the Blackhawks were a dominant home team up until, like, right after the the, the Olympic break. Because when they came back after the Olympic break, they lost, like, four or five games at, at home, but Mm-hmm. Uh, this, uh, it is a little strange, and everybody in the NHL this year has dealt with it because it's still to this point. I think the road team has a worse, has a better record than the home team mm-hmm. in the NHL playoffs. So it's just an odd year, a very odd year. Let me ask you, style of the game, game two, Philadelphia came out with a, a physical approach and hit the Blackhawks, responded by uh, hitting. Also, it was a very physical game to the Hawks' credit. They played that style and maybe hit Philadelphia harder than the Flyers hit the Hawks. Your prediction for the style of Game 3? Uh, I, I predict that the Ben Eagers, the David Bolins, the Kopechkis, the Adam Burrishes keep on laying people out, and okay. I predict that the, the Hostas and the Canes keep getting past everybody. I don't want Pastor Kane to get physical. I want Kopechki to get physical. And uh, that's basically what happened in, in Game 2, and I, I guarantee it continues. And please tell me, you saw when Carcillo came in to come flying in to, to hit Kopechki oh. and said he blew up that Jeff Martin dude. That was you classic. You saw that. That was classic. I did see it. Adam Burris yelling on the ice because yep. they had Adam Burris mic'd up and they had Carcillo mic'd up just coincidentally. Yeah. And Adam Burris yelled, hey, that's your best thing you had all year. And uh, uh, Carcillo started yelling back and all he was able to yell back was, I'm going to, and then they had to bleep out the rest of it. I'm not sure what it said, but I mm-hmm. think he was speaking French, Coach. That Carcillo, dude, I don't know what language he's speaking, but uh, boy, he came out with one intention. It's not like he eased into it either. Right from the initial puck drop, he was looking to hit somebody and get some fight started. That guy's a nasty dude. Hadn't even played for like three games, so they obviously coached Peter uh Laviolette or Lavalier or whatever his name is brought him in for that purpose, but uh, mm, that was funny. That was really funny when the two guys, and that was not just a mild collision. I oh, mean, no, they no, no, ran no. into each like, other. That was the hardest hit of the game, and it was between two teammates. Yeah, that was uh, that was hysterical. That was absolutely <laughs> hilarious. And then after that, he went and tried to get Kopechny the rest of the game, pretty much, to get into a fight. You know what? Uh, go ahead. Let, let, let them be the Broad Street bullies. Let them go out and, and, and try to worry about hitting people. I, you should only worry about hitting somebody if that's what you need on that particular play, and then be as physical as you possibly can and try mm-hmm. to drive somebody through the boards or into the ice. Coach, but otherwise, just play hockey. You know, if you got other teams out there trying to intimidate you, the Hawks aren't going to be intimidated. They're out there to win hockey games, get mm-hmm. to the puck faster, be crisper team. That's that's all that really matters. And I, they're doing it right so far. They they really are, Coach. The best way to not be intimidated is just to not care and just go out there and keep playing your game. Hawks don't win game two unless they get brilliant goaltending out of the rookie, Antti Niemi. Let me ask you this. If he gives up a goal or two early, Big Dog, do you think the pressure uh, can finally get to Antti Niemi? Do you think... The start of the game is key for him. It looked like in game one, once he gave up a couple of goals, suddenly he was not so impenetrable. You know what, Coach? He's had he's had games. I remember Vancouver in game two. 
Yep. Uh, they scored two goals in the first two minutes of the game, and all of a sudden he was on lockdown. And the next 58 minutes of the game, uh, they didn't score. So, no, I, I don't think so, Coach. Uh, game game one, he play, he didn't play great. Uh, I'll admit that. But let, let's be honest. The Blackhawks gave up how many scoring opportunities as a defense? Mm-hmm. So, uh, I, if if you give him an adequate chance, if you well, wait, you said in game, enough, in, game right. in game two, how many scoring opportunities did we give up? Oh yeah, I'd have well, I'd have no idea. I don't know how he did face a lot of tough shots, coach. But oh, yeah. not like game okay. one. Game one, it was ridiculous how often there was odd man breaks that mm-hmm. Philadelphia had and stuff. So yeah, okay. um, game two was not exactly a walk in the park. It could have easily no, he, been a four and five goal game. It, it could have been. He had thirty seven saves. Yep. Uh, but I mean, game one he had like thirty seven saves, uh, gave up five goals. But <laughs> it was it seemed like every other save or every other shot was like right on top of the net, and there was three flyers and one Blackhawk defenseman there. So mm-hmm. it, that that that's the difference. I'm not worried about him whatsoever if he gives up gives up a goal or two. I don't I don't think he's going to be worried about it either. All right, there it is. Game three, the Flyers taking on the Hawks. Stanley Cup right here in the city of Chicago. A chance to win it for the first time since 1961. By the way, television tonight, not on national TV. Big Dog, we'll go back to cable. So we remind our listeners to find the Versus channel. Be prepared. You might want to start looking for the Versus channel around 6.30. Game starts at 7 o'clock. Yeah, well, well, luckily I've been. Here's here's all I got to say to those people: if this is your first Blackhawk game that you're going to watch all year and you don't know where the Versus Channel is, you don't deserve to watch the game anyway. How mean spirited can you be? Where are you from? Oh, Phil- are you from Philadelphia? Seriously. Or what? By the way, we've... if you're a Philly fan and if this is your first Philadelphia Flyer game all year and you don't know where the, <laughs> the Versus Channel is, I mean, really. Do you... Uh, Go watch uh, watch a rerun of uh, American <laughs> Idol or something like that. We have just been informed by producer David Olson. Apparently, you might want to turn into Versus early from 6 to 8. Two hours before, they're going to have a two-hour special. Alan Tip for the early years. Oh, that really sounds like a Versus uh <laughs> So don't tune in for that. Two hours of the early years of Alan Tipper, and then you can watch Blackhawk hockey. Really, it's the it's the ultimate night in uh, with the remote control, Big Doug. They should change the name of it to Versus to the Twenty Two Year Old Boy Channel is what they should call it. I'm not kidding you. The the, the programming they show on that is yeah. oh my goodness. All I have ever watched on that is NHL hockey and WEC World Extreme Cage Fighting. <laughs> Other than that, everything else on there is ridiculous. Oh, it's embarrassing, way. Coach. Hey, speaking of cable channels, I'm looking at my AOL uh, video screen right here, and the headline is Rough Forecast for the Weather Channel. Is there a threat the Weather Channel due to low ratings could go off the air? Do you know wow. what it is? is that, shocking. Absolutely shocking. With all the handheld uh, equipment nowadays, okay. yep. you really... Uh, Weather Channel will be around. It'll just be weatherchannel.com. But uh, you're right. The TV network, I I can actually see that going up because it just doesn't seem like people who really need to know about the weather, those type of people typically are gadget people anyways. So they're going to now have phones. If you don't have a phone with Internet nowadays, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's what two-thirds of the people do. I'm pretty sure you're not one of them yet, Coach. But they're so inexpensive and it's so cheap to have Internet now. And, I mean, you don't usually... You're not one to be like, oh, what's the weather like? What's the weather like? You know, no, my, people who, but people who are typically have phones that have internet on them for some reason. That's that's why it's gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, remember on our old radio show, we used to say we couldn't hire a weatherman, but our weather report basically was uh, stick your head out the window and see what the weather's like. That's your weather. Yeah, report. no doubt. Because ah. in Chicago, it'll change in a couple minutes. Yeah.
You were ahead of your time, by the way. You were a man who uh, you had a held a handheld device even before the handheld devices came out. Yeah, and then I, eventually I did end up getting a phone code. Yes. <laughs> oh goodness! All right, eight 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 four six three sixty seven forty eight. Big dog and a coach. Some more bad jokes here. We'll uh, now we're gonna stay here. We're not gonna take a break. Triple eight four six three six seven four eight. You want to check in on the uh, Stanley Cup Finals? You could do so. A little baseball talk coming up. Also, and now uh, we do have NBA Finals going on. I don't know about you, Big Dog. It seems uh, maybe it's because we're in Chicago. The Stanley Cup seems pretty hot, but uh, the Lakers and the Celtics. I know we're supposed to be excited about it. I don't know too many people that are. You know what? Uh, if it was NBA Finals, coach, I'm going to watch it. Uh, if the, especially if the games are good, I'm going to watch it. So you'll watch like care. game one or two. You'll you'll sit down and watch. I'm a diehard avid okay. sports fan coach, and I don't care if it was the Orlando Magic taking on the Oklahoma City Thunder. I mean, two teams that I can care less about. I would be watching the NBA Finals. It's history. And so I'm not like one of those haters. Oh, I can't believe it was the Celtics and Lakers. I'm not going to watch or I'm not one of those people. Oh, I can only watch it if it's those. It's the NBA Finals, coach. And if the games are close, I'm watching it. And plus, I live with five men. They, they they all rent for me. They all have friends coming over. There's the last thing I want to watch is you know uh, like the BET channel or mm-hmm. MTV or anything like that. So uh, I'm going to sit here and watch some some basketball. So I think that's the one thing that we can all agree on is that we watch sports. So the one woman that lives here, we don't see her ever. She just stays up in her room constantly <laughs> and she watches reruns of of uh, Lost that you watched, uh, True Blood. Uh-huh. American Idol. She watches all that stuff. So down here, we it's the sports channel. All right. I, I, you know, I'm into it, but I'm not that into it. For instance, games one, two, or three, and, of course, Lakers and Celtics, best of seven. Very exciting. It starts tomorrow at Los Angeles. I will tune in maybe, maybe for like the last five, six minutes of those games. I just can't watch the entire game, one, two, three. Now, when it gets to about a game five or game six, I will be tuning in. I'm embarrassed to say that, but that's pretty much – where my interest level is. No, no, you don't got to be embarrassed to say we're all different. Everybody has their own, uh, you know, has their own vent on life. It's, mm-hmm. it's all good. I'm, I'm not making fun of somebody that would watch vampire shows instead of the NBA finals. <laughs> it's just not my cup of tea. Mm-hmm. And, and let's, let's face it, coach. I live with all these guys. It's the easiest way to do it. Just put the game on. And mm-hmm. to be honest with you, if we try to watch something with a plot in it, there's always somebody running their mouth at full speed anyway, so it's not like you can get into it. So might as well leave sports on. Right, and I guarantee quick... you this. Guarantee you this. If the Cubs are on during the NBA Finals, the Cubs take precedent in this house. Wow. That's a loyal Cub fan. Not not if there's two minutes left, though, and it's a tie game. Oh, no, no. We yeah. we know how to. We okay. act, we always record the Cub game, so if there's something big going on, uh-huh. we will be watching that. But it, okay. it, it, you know, it looks back to the NBA Finals, but... Then they finally start so late that, uh-huh. you know, you, we're in the middle of the second quarter by the time the Cubs game ends. All right, now you have a uh, international, literally an international variety of people living at your house. Let's get some predictions. I know you've got it on the paper in front of you. Best of seven finals. This will give us kind of a, a, uh, kind of a mini view, world view of what they think of the NBA finals. I'm going to ask for your prediction last. First of all, your, uh, your Iranian roommate, uh, Mahmoud. What does Mahmoud predict? Uh, he, he is picking uh, the Boston Celtics coach. He, he likes the superpower. Celtics in how many games? Uh, he said six games, coach. Mahmoud says Celtics in six. All right, very surprising. That's our Middle Eastern uh, prediction. And he loves Ray Allen. 
He That's does. No joke. He lo- Mahmoud loves Ray Allen. I've, got, I've actually got a picture. He thirty was a sharpshooter. I've and got, he got a, something for Ray Allen's mom. I'm sorry. I have a picture of Ray Allen wearing a somewhat seductive burqa that he might be interested in. <laughs> All right, now, and this is not a joke, by the way. These are actually no, no, these are actually a uh, big dogs roommates. How about Russell? What first of all, what nationality is Russell? Uh, Russell, uh, Russell is. I don't know if he's Korean or Chinese, but okay. I'm pretty sure he's not Japanese. Okay. So the, when we watched the Pacific the other day, he was enjoying uh, the guys, the Marines, <laughs> love the Japanese guys. Oh goodness! All right, what is uh, Russell's Far East prediction? What does he see? Celtics, Lakers, best of seven. Who's Russell he, got? He hates white people, so I'm thinking he, he's going for the Lakers. Coach, really? he is not a big basketball fan. Okay, yeah, honestly, he is not a big basketball fan whatsoever because <laughs> he's five foot one. Hates white people. Yes, and he's five foot one. So okay. he's, he's, you know, he's. If any ladies out there are interested, Russell is available. And just to briefly again, he's five feet one inches tall, hates basketball, and does not like white people. And he's got a very, very, very bad attitude. You know what? He's going to get a lot of females interested in him. Yeah, seriously. I mean, pretty much that that's the entire package. All <laughs> negative. <laughs> oh, goodness. That's a lot wrapped up into a 5 for one Is he fairly svelte, or is there a few pounds in the 5-1? Uh, actually, you know what? If uh, if Men's Warehouse does another commercial <laughs> and they need a Mr. Portly, he can play him. <laughs> oh, boy, you're painting a beautiful picture. All right, now do we have a uh, we have a roommate from Indian descent, do we not? Uh, no, no, no. That was Mahmoud. And Mahmoud oh, that was Mahmoud. I'm sorry. Six. Okay. Yeah. Now uh, we have we have Kathy. Okay. Who's, who's the white girl? And and she said basketball. Yeah. What is Michael Jordan playing? So we're not even going to take, take her prediction. Okay. Forget and, about and that. And Brian Brian uh, Briamo, the Mexican guy. He's taking. Uh, we call him Brian just because we because he actually acts the whitest out of all of us. <laughs> Uh, he's taking the Lakers. So I hate the Celtics. Wow. So I hate the Celtics. Brianna's uh, the Lakers in four. Lakers in four? Yeah, yeah. From the Mexican contingent led by Brianna. Wow. Wow. All right, so we've got a little cross-section. How about the big dog himself, the actual expert, a man who watches games during the regular season? How do you see this thing unfolding? Uh, I'm taking the Lakers. I'm taking the Boston Celtics in seven games. Celtics. And, and. And the way, it's, it's going to alternate every other game. No one's going to have a two-game lead ever in this particular series, Coach. Mm-hmm. But, you, but you did say in the end the Boston Celtics win it. I do like the Boston Celtics to, to win this particular uh, series. Wow. And I, I'm really, really shocked by it. And I think it's going to just happen because uh, the Lakers have gotten lucky so far. The, the Celtics have, in their in their series so far, have played Dominant basketball. The Lakers have gotten by on the skin of their teeth. If they keep on playing the way they are, there's mm-hmm. no way, there is no way they'll be able to beat the Celtics. Oh. They're going to have to play a lot better. Coach, either they have coasted through three playoffs with the goal of winning the NBA championship. Do you see what I'm getting at? And their focus has been the NBA championship. Mm-hmm. And somehow that works out for them because they got special legs or they're coasting through three rounds. Is going to cost them because they're not able to flip the switch and turn it on in uh, in the NBA Finals. The Celtics have played three grueling playoff series so far, and even you know, even if you can say you know they they've had a little trouble after not being able to put away the the Magic, they have played awesome basketball for three series. Be quite a story. Be quite a story if the Boston Celtics were to win it again because they were uh, pretty much last month of the season heading into the playoffs. Big dog, uh, an afterthought. And uh, it already is quite a story. If they win and beat the Lakers, it will be a 
pretty amazing story. It's hard to think of the Celtics as an underdog, but that's exactly what they were. Were they not coming into the playoffs? Uh, absolutely. People, you know what? Uh, Doc Rivers talked about that. He was like, you know, he realized that his team was really, really banged up, and he knew they couldn't coast in the playoffs. And what he did was he set everybody during the last 10 games of the year, and they lost seven of the last 10 games of the year. Mm-hmm. And they cost them a couple playoff slots, and they slipped down to the to the either the fourth or the fifth seed. Which one did they have, Coach? Do you remember? I think, I think they were number five. Okay, so they slipped down to the fifth seed. And Doc Rivers like, you know, I really gambled. And he's like, but, you know, I knew we were going to be on the road against Cleveland anyways, and that was a team I had to beat. So who cares if we lost to them in the semifinals of the East or the uh, conference finals of the East? He got people healthy. And from the first series on, Coach, uh, they were ready to play basketball. So uh, Doc Rivers, again, proven uh, he's one of the top coaches in the NBA. And yeah. it's, everybody always asks, who you want the Bulls coach to be next year? I will say it again. I want it to be Doc Rivers. Is it going to happen? Of course not. But that's who I want. Local local Chicago guy, played his high school ball at Proviso East High School. He has really grown into that coaching role, big dog. Uh, uh, you know, you watched him in his early years, and he was trying to be confident. He was trying to be in control. Now, when you watch him, of course it helped when you got a championship under your belt. But oh, you, watch, you watch Doc Rivers coach now, and he doesn't try. He is in control, and he is comfortable with himself and confident in his abilities. You know, he preaches team basketball, and he reaches these guys mm-hmm. he preaches and he it reaches they play team basketball coach and to me that is when you can play team basketball and when you can defend and you, and you rebound it's beautiful to me it's see I, I couldn't watch nba basketball when it used to be four guys staying around and they watch one guy go one-on-one and shoot a fadeaway jump shot like what there's if the nba finals was still that coach if it was still that type of basketball i i would not be watching it i promise mm-hmm. you i would not be watching it but the, the Lakers play the triangle. They move the ball so beautifully. The, the Celtics, they, they legitimately play team basketball. They play defense. It's very easy for me to watch basketball when it's played the right way, and, and these two teams do it. I almost heard the big dog getting choked up a little bit there. He got emotional over the uh, triangle offense. Bring him well, back. I miss it, Coach. I, you know, no matter what anybody <laughs> says, everybody says triangle, triangle. John Wooden <coughs> is the godfather of the triangle offense. Mm-hmm. Everybody says Tex Winters, but the Tex Winters will admit it was uh, it was uh, John Wooden's offense. So John Wooden right now currently ranked number four in my uh, greatest people of all time rankings. Oh, I almost thought you were about to say coaches of all time, and no. I was about to have to go to no. Morton Grove and slap you around a little bit. Greatest Heck, people yeah. of all time. He could, Who he do you could... have ahead of him? Well, it's very tight right now. I've got Martin Luther King at the one spot, uh, Arthur Ashe number two, Arthur Ashe two, and Nelson Mandela three. Right behind them, head coach Johnny Wooden, fifth place John F. Kennedy. And I have to look back at my rankings. Kennedy. Huh? Kennedy. It's a controversial you're, you're, choice. Your your top five needs a, a shaking up to do, just to let you know. Just, uh-huh. I'm just throwing it out there. George Washington, by the way, you talk about guys that have fallen. He was like number seven early on. He is now out of the top 20 at best special mention. Okay. Well, I, I have a Abraham Lincoln. Yeah, Lincoln mine. is Lincoln is in there. Uh, I've got a Reagan in mine. Why? Uh, John Wooden would be in mine, too. Ronald Reagan. Coach, the man was a great, great, great man. Please. Okay, if you're going to have John F. Kennedy, a Flanner, a uh, great... that got elected because hey, of the mob. Forget, I, about, I have... forget about his personal life. A great, great leader and a uh, charismatic protector of human rights. <laughs> I have no problem with that. He was getting he was getting our troops out of Southeast Asia. Mm-hmm. He was the real uh, person that uh, you know came up with civil rights, not... Uh, 
not LBJ, who yes. is one of the biggest pieces of crap that has ever walked the <laughs> earth. Oh, goodness. You can uh, email us your own top ten rank. I got Martin Luther King and Arthur Ashe, one, two. And we could go into Arthur Ashe later on. But we both agree Johnny Wood in the top five, maybe? Yeah, coach, in my book, without a doubt, I yep. love John Wooden. Incredible Absolutely wisdom. John. He's a great man. And I've read a couple, I, I, a couple of books on him. One just recently, and uh, just great stuff. Amazing uh, depth of wisdom, if I could use that term. Uh, I'd have to go with that. Uh, the, the, legitimately, he could have coached or taught anything and yes. been successful coach. Yeah, including Powell. We need more, more guys like Johnny Wood, non-politicians who are great people and great leaders. We need more of them in politics. Just when they get in politics, we need them to be less political, if that makes any sense. Uh, it, John wouldn't, I, I wish he would have been president of the United States. Yeah. Would have been a good one. Would have been a it, good one. It would have been excellent to actually watch yeah. him. Uh, uh, like, he should have actually designed the, the uh, interstate highway system. Okay? <laughs> be right, quick, but don't hurry. Uh, very good. Very you know, good. Whitey like Eisenhower. I would definitely have Whitey Eisenhower as one of my top uh, people. Uh, I got him uh, honorable mention only in my book. All right, we'll continue with those thoughts. Uh, anything we said today probably cannot take much credence because Al and Tipper getting divorced definitely affected the two of us. But uh, Big Dog and a Coach back at you tomorrow. Two-hour show tomorrow. How about that? Thanks for listening. David Olson, our producer, great job. We'll be back at you tomorrow. Have a great day, everybody.